Hi, this is Dr. Steve Vargo, and this is another episode of the IDOC Focal Point podcast. I have with me here today two of my fellow IDOC team members who also happen to be key members of the leadership team at IDOC, Jill Johnson, who's the Vice President of Human Resources, and Dave Brown, the CEO of IDOC. So welcome, both of you. Hey, Steve. Thank great you. to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting us today, Steve. I am glad you're here. This is going to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. A few months ago, IDOC achieved a milestone that's very much aligned with the culture that leadership and really everyone involved at IDOC has worked hard to live into. So we received certification as a great place to work, which is based heavily on employee feedback and recognizes companies that have built high trust, high performing work environments. And that's really what we wanna talk about today. What, What have we learned as a company about building a great culture and what can we share with practices that also aspire to become a great place to work? And while a certification is really nice, you don't need a piece of paper to create an incredible work environment. So maybe we'll just jump on, jump in with the first question, very basic. How do you create a positive work culture? Yeah, I'll jump in, Steve. And thanks again for, for hosting this. Love having these conversations with you and Jill. And, uh, you know, I think it starts pretty basically, you have to accentuate the positive, right? You have to go to work every day and, find ways to um, to bring out what's going on well, what's positive, be relentlessly positive. And I think that's something we've worked hard at at IDOC, but it is also something where you have to be giving meaningful feedback as well. And I think that we're going to be talking sort of about that yin and the yang about being positive, but also finding ways to help people improve, get better day in and day out. And that also leads to positivity. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree, Dave. You know, something that we, I believe that we do really well at, at IDOC is we celebrate our our wins and celebrate those successes, and that's important. Um, we're all very busy, and it's easy to forget um, to look back in the rearview mirror and, and look at all the successes um, that we've accomplished as an organization. So. Uh, we're, we put a concerted effort in at IDAC to make sure those um, celebrations are highlighted. Yeah, I think, Steve, throughout this chat today, I think we'll be providing little tips and things that we've done. So just to build on what Jill just said, and Jill really brought this to the organization, we have stand-up meetings. We call them stand-up meetings uh, twice a week. And we lead that meeting in two ways. We ask people to give shout-outs to other employees on how they help them or how they did something positive. And then we also say, hey, what's going well in your life? Say, say something positive, what's gone well? And you know, someone said, my husband gave me a day at the spa or my kid came home with an A on a test. And these are things anybody can do at the start of a staff meeting or the start of any meeting is just to have a moment and people love to, to talk about others, at least at IDOC they do and be very positive. I've seen and heard from doctors before that had a key employee leave and they their first thought was what happened because i thought everything was going really well with that employee we've 
developed and, and implemented, implemented some tools to help us measure employee satisfaction. So we're not guessing, we're not caught off guard with it. We're getting mm-hmm. in front of any problems. Um, Jill, you might've been more behind this than anybody. Could you maybe discuss some of the methods that we've used to measure employee satisfaction? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this area. So I, you know, I've been in the, uh, the profession for about 20 years and I, and, and most of the employers that I've worked at, uh, we had some sort of engagement survey, but um, in past employers, we've, I've always conducted uh, annual surveys. And uh, what, we, what we did differently at IDOC is we decided that we wanted uh, to hear feedback from our people more than once a year, uh, because by the time that annual uh, engagement survey comes out, you're not really getting real-time feedback. So we came across a, uh, a survey tool called uh, Office Vibe, and it was actually um, used by one of our industry partners, uh, GPN Technologies. And uh, so that's what we use at, at IDOC, and it measures 10 different key uh, engagement metrics. And it's a pulse survey. So every other week, our employees, they will get two questions. It takes about two minutes to answer those questions. So that's your quantitative data that you get back on on those 10 different areas of engagement. And we also um, get qualitative feedback. So written feedback from our employees and the executive team at IDOC, we monitor this on, I do it on a daily basis. (laughs) I know the executive team, they're looking at it on a regular basis throughout the week. And the reason for that is because we're able to shift where we need to, uh, depending on what we're seeing and hearing from our people through that survey tool. Uh, And so an example of that is we were hearing feedback from our employees through the survey tool on feedback, (laughs) how to give feedback and, and how to receive feedback. And so our employees were telling us loud and clear that this was an area that they wanted to not only see themselves develop, but also our leaders develop in this area. And so we have now brought forth some training and development around how to create an environment and a culture of feedback. Steve, we would not be have we would not have the great place to work certification without Office Vibe and everything Jill brought to the table here. A couple other quick things to note. Um, having employees trust the anonymity of responses is absolutely critical. And mm-hmm. so you build on that over time. Um, but that has been um, wonderful. We constantly ask people, please take the survey. And we have close to 100% um, rates of people uh, mm-hmm. providing feedback. And then the other thing which was fascinating, once you have that trust of anonymity, we then asked people to be more specific on their written commentary, and that's helped amazingly too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the myth is you don't have to be a 5,000, 10,000 person organization to get feedback. We're not that big, of course, at IDOC, but even a practice with 10 or 15 people, you can put something in like this, and it really helps um, get rid of the surprises when someone walks out the right. door. Mm-hmm. I've told and, and to my surprise, the longer I've done this, I've come to realize that so many of the problems I hear from a staff management uh, standpoint come back to some kind of a, a communication issue. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I, I say this and I believe it, that 90% of the staff management problems I, I hear some way, shape and form stem back to some kind of a communication issue, largely insufficient communication. So Jill, I loved what you said about that, you know, that going 12 months between giving mm-hmm. critical feedback is just too long. It is. I don't know what the correct frequency is. Is it as far as quarterly, some, some practice owners or managers or will say, well, we just, we're very open and giving continual feedback. Do you, have, or either of you have had any thoughts as, as team leaders who, who lead other people is how often do you think you should check in with staff and, and both give and receive feedback? Because that communication goes both ways. In part, it's making sure that people are clear on, they're hearing from you on, on expectations, on, on, on your vision, on the goals, on, 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 on all of that. But as, at the same time, that opportunity to listen, which may be more valuable than giving feedback is, is that opportunity, creating that opportunity to just let the employee talk and, and to hear from them. But any thoughts on a frequency of how often that should take place? Yeah, Joe, go ahead on this one, and then I'll jump in um, yeah. because I think you've worked really hard. I know on sort of the calendar and the cadence, mm-hmm. and so that's that sort of forms the um, the, um, the framework. But then I think we're all going to get to the sooner the better, and in the moment is better. But Joe, yeah. why don't you first start with sort of what we've done because we've been on this journey too, from some of the big mm-hmm. companies we've come from to what we do at IDOC. Yeah. I think you you raise a really good point about listening, Steve, and and that's um, that's a a component that we've included in our training uh, for our managers right now is how do you create an environment of psychological safety? And that's through active listening uh, and really empathizing with with the employee and and what their needs are. So I think it's a really good point. In terms of frequency, it's... uh, depends, but I, I am a believer that it should be, all feedback should be real time. Because if you have examples around behavior, whether it's behavior, desirable behaviors that you want to reaffirm with that employee or undesirable behaviors that you want to redirect and provide some coaching, real time feedback is always the best because employees will have a, a a recent memory of that event, if you're bringing an example to the table, to the conversation of either those um, positive behaviors where you want to uh, affirm that, yes, this is really great work and this this is the contributions that you're making to the organization based on those positive behaviors. And so that's, that's great. Employees want to hear that. And then there's the constructive feedback where you might be witnessing some behaviors that are less desirable and you have to redirect those behaviors. But again, you need to bring recent and real-time examples to that conversation so the employee has a reference point. So I'm a proponent of real-time as quickly as possible. And at IDOC, we most of our, if not all of our managers have some sort of cadence uh, one-on-ones, whether that's weekly one-on-ones or bi-weekly one-on-ones, uh, but we do have a regular cadence of one-on-one conversations with our employees at IDOC. Yeah, and I just one thing to build on, um, and I love what you said, Joe, feedback sort of has a shelf life, right? So I think of our doctors, I think of our practices and, you know, moving from patient to patient and how busy they are. So, you know, if something happens, let's say when you're seeing a patient, you may not right then be able to give some feedback to the tech or the staff person, 
But gosh, if you can, by the end of the day, it's really powerful. And worst case, the next day, because there's recency. And but this is hard work. This takes practice. This takes the ability to, you know, create um, when you go talk to the person. Hey, here's what happened. Here's what I saw. This was the impact. And, and so it takes practice. You got to get good at it. But um, letting things linger, I found in my career after about that second day, you struggle going back to give the feedback. And that's mm-hmm. bad for both the giver and the receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a point where as a leader and as a practice owner, there are certainly times where an employee fails to practice, but you have to look at yourself as an owner, as a manager, as a leader, because there's times where, where management or the practice fails the employee. And if they're not clear on what they need to be clear on, if they're not given feedback, and I, I hear that too often, really, is people will make comments like, I thought they would just get it by now, or shouldn't they know that already? Mm-hmm. And where there's that lack of feedback, where you're not giving people the, the tools, the training, the resources they need to succeed, you, can, you have to really question, am, am I failing this employee? Um, We'll transition a little bit here to back to culture, because that's I think that brings us back to what we talked about initially, this great place to work uh, certification and culture. You're you're going to have a culture one way or the other. It's going to either going to be by design or it's going to be by default. And I've seen all too often sometimes the culture is built around the most vocal member of the practice when when there's not somebody else typically in a leadership driving that. So what is, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on why culture is so important to the success of a business. Sure, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll actually quote, Jill's great at sending articles around. One of them recently had a great line, businesses don't create value, people do, right? And so that's why at IDOC, we really, we have our core values. We talk about people first always, but you, you painted a very good picture, Steve, of of, of, you know, a culture and, and why it's so important. And, you know, you can have the best strategy, but you got to have a culture. You got to have a place where people know why they're coming to work, that they're aware of um, what the practice stands for. Um, what, what are the key products we're looking to, to provide for, for patients, um, that they have a great experience when they're there. And these things are hard. Again, this is hard work that, um, and, you know, I'll let Jill talk a little bit about how IDOC, um, worked on core values and how we speak about these all the time, how we evaluate people on core values. So in a way, we are evaluating people on cultural stuff. We sort of call it the how, how you do your work. And and we also evaluate on what you do. But those are some of the cultural things that, um, that, again, take a lot of hard work. But every practice we talk to that succeeds, all of them say, it's because of our people. It's because of the team. It's because of the office manager. It's not because of me. That is universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a believer that culture drives strategy. And you, you, you pointed out, um, Steve, about culture by design. And at IDOC, we have done that. It's, uh, it can be culture by default if you don't um, steer it. Uh, but at IDOC, we, 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 we do design it and we have designed it through identifying and our four core values, which the employees um, uh, identify. This was even before I came on board. Those core values were um, identified by the employees, which I think was wonderful um, that IDOC took a grassroots effort in developing those core values. 
because if the employees are, are developing those core values and they're defining the behaviors around those core values, which at IDOC we did that, is then they're internalizing um, how they work um, and the manner in that which they work and that, that supports the culture. And we take those defining behaviors that we've all worked on together and they are now embedded into different programs at IDOC. It's how we measure performance. It's how we reward and recognize our people. Um, so it, it very much is um, embedded. Uh, those core values are embedded in our culture and how we behave every day at IDOC. I learned a lot from, cause I was part of those initial meetings in mm-hmm. helping design that I I've learned yeah. a lot myself on the value of having those core values as part of your organization, sort of those non-negotiable and, you know, yeah. two, three things, four things. And it, I don't think a core value changes an organization overnight, but when it's constantly reiterated to the organization, it does start to bleed into the culture mm-hmm. and people have to make a decision. Is this a good fit? Is this an organization that, that aligns with me? And both sides sometimes have to make that yeah. decision, but without that, it, it, it's such a compass for the, for the, um, for the organization that I'm, I find myself constantly stressing for practices to give that more consideration now and getting really clear on what are your, your core values. Dave, you mentioned before, as you were talking, the what and the how, and I've heard you mention a lot, the why. And in, in the spirit of Simon Sinek, we've, we've discussed start with why from the book and, and how that applies to an organization, getting really clear on what our, um, our why is. So could you expand on that a little bit, just defining the why and, and how to get employees involved in that process as well? Sure. No, I'd be happy to. But, you know, I, we listen to a lot of podcasts, all of us, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are going, but wait, what are your four core values? So let me just explain <laughs> real fast that we have our four core values and we, we don't hide them. We're very open about them. And Jill mentioned one of them. So people first always is our number one core value. Number two is service at our core. Number three is trust in relationships. And number four is better together. So we won't go into all of those, but those are the things that every IDOC employee can uh, can recite. And you know, when we're recruiting, when we are recruiting, um, people are asking us, right, Jill? They're saying, "Hey, tell me about your values," and you're able to tell them about it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you you raised that. Uh, it's it's been interesting, and I think that there's a, a shift, and it could be the shift could be generational in nature. Is almost every conversation that I have. Uh, when I'm recruiting with candidates, there is a question about culture. What, what do you love about working at IDAC? Why should I work at IDAC? What are your core values? Or I have employees or sorry, candidates that are considering leaving their current employer because of culture, because they are not a cultural fit. So this is becoming more and more of a value proposition for organizations to have this, to have this right and to know what their, what their values are and what, what do they stand for in terms of their culture so they can not only articulate that to new hires coming into the organization, but ensuring that they're going to be a good fit to the organization or the practice. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that, Jill. So Steve, back to the why. And so again, for those who may not be familiar with Simon Sinek, he's done a heck of a job and, and really has become a guiding principle for a lot of organizations. But in brief, um, Simon speaks about how people can tell you what they do, 
They can tell you how they do it, but it's very difficult the why. So I, I remember, Steve, being in some of those meetings with you and other IDOC employees around um, trying to have them um, bring the why forward versus top down. And I was, I was amazed at how fast it came together, right? You know, we had, we had talked about we want to be the largest alliance and we had talked about our vendor partners, but we very quickly realized that the person we are working hardest for is the independent owner of a private practice. Uh, and when we started talking to these owners, we recognized each person had a dream, why they got into optometry, what they wanted to do. So our why came together very quickly, empowering independent owners to live the practice of their dreams. That's what we do. And Joe, you can elaborate on that, but that's our why. And again, every IDOC employee knows that and it gives such power to what we do every day. Right, I, I would agree with that. And, and you mentioned this earlier about this connection with the, with the company or the practice, Steve, is people, employees, want to feel that their work has meaning and there's there's a connection sort of to the greater good. And, and I would say that's consistent. That's across the organization at IDOC and our culture, that there's an emotional um, connection to this purpose, this why, which is to empower independent practice owners to live the practice of their dreams. Um, so you see it every day at IDOC, how, how much dedication that our employees have to making sure this, this actually comes to fruition. You know, and Steve, just one last thing. We talked about how we start meetings with shout outs and positivity. A lot of those are examples of a member calling and saying, thank you to Bridget for what she did, or thank you to Lisa for what she was able to bring to the table. And, you know, those are incredibly powerful. And we love it when we hear those stories because they happen almost every week. I think the why gives it an emotional component. Mm -hmm. I find myself stressing the why even in smaller decisions that offices have to make or conversations. For example, you've got an employee who keeps showing up late to work and you just keep saying, well, it, it, you have to get to work on time. We start at nine. You just, this is, this is what you have to do. But I'll often tell the person I'm talking with, don't leave out the why you know, what is, there's probably a deeper why behind that, behind your reasons for wanting them to do that. And don't just assume that they, that they automatically know that when they show up 15 minutes late to work, the rest of the staff has to step up and do their role. And if we've got mm -hmm. a core value of people first, always like we do, or something along the lines of that, you know, we are looking at, at teamwork at, at supporting each other. And it doesn't really align with that. On top of that, maybe the first patient of the day is waiting and that hurts the image that people have of us when there's nobody there to turn the computer on or get that patient mm -hmm. started. So make sure to communicate to the employee why we're not just asking you to do this for the sake of doing it or to meet some silly policy, but there's actually a deeper meaning behind it. I'm going to close out here with a, maybe a two-part question here. Why is on, on the great place to work why is being a great place to work certified company important to IDOC and its members? And maybe if, if whoever answers that could elaborate just a little bit on what that is, because there's probably a lot of people listening who aren't quite sure what that certification is. So why is it important to IDOC and its members? And part two would be, what are some of the key values or attributes of our culture at IDOC that you believe contributed to that certification? 
Yeah, Jill, why don't you take this one? But just a quick story. I love telling stories. So we had a, before Jill came on board, you know, we had an idea. I had this idea of, hey, maybe we can, you know, in Connecticut, be a great place to, you know, be an employer of the of Connecticut or something. And Jill came on board and set our sights higher, found great place to work. So please talk a little bit about it, Jill. And um, I can add at the end anything, uh, of course, but, um, you know, you really are the architect of finding great place to work. And uh, it really is powerful what we've learned throughout this process. Mm-hmm. Yes, great place to work is a benchmark that I'm, I've been familiar with for many years in, in my career. And I think anybody in the profession of human resources, this is, this is what you try to achieve. And as a partner, as a business partner to your leaders is to create a a great place to work. And uh, so this is, it's a survey. uh, This is outside of our internal survey. This is an external um, uh, agency, which is great place to work Institute. They, they um, administer the survey. And again, it's anonymous and we have to meet a certain threshold to actually qualify to be on this list. And um, in this, so this was the first year. And as an as a team, we we were talking about this. Is this you know, because we we had put our set our sights to to actually achieve great place to work as part of our 2021 strategic plan. That was our goal, our milestone. We decided to do this earlier because we had um, as a lot of companies went through uh, tremendous adversity during COVID of, of 2020. And I really believe in my heart uh, that we, we really came together as an organization to overcome great adversity and, and um, also serve our, our members. And so I thought it was appropriate to actually apply for great place to work based on the tremendous work that our employees did on behalf of our members. So that's, that's why we applied um, for 2020. And um, we were excited to, to, to get that, that certification because it really, it's testament to all the work that um, we all do together. Uh, and so I would say when you, to go back to your earlier question, Steve, about the attributes of IDOC and, and, you know, why we think we, we, we achieved that milestone. I think it has to do with just the transparency and the feedback and, and our better together core value um, and how we were able to get through 2020. And so that is testament to all of our work. Steve, I would add, thanks, Joe, that, um, you know, one, one of the parts of the question was, why is it important to members, right? Why is it important to an optometrist or anybody? And, you know, I I now spot great place to work when I'm out and about, you see it on websites. So even places where I uh, do business, you see it. And, and to me, you know, doctors, they have a lot of choices. They have a lot of places they can take their business. And why wouldn't you want to work with an organization with passionate people, with tremendous values that has been benchmarked as a great place Mm -hmm. to work? I believe the services that you're going to get, um, the products that you're going to get, the the answers to your questions. I, I think uh, any doctor can can really feel comfortable that IDOC is really a place to try or to stay with for a long, long time because of 
this certification. So it sort of is a, is this wide circle of you benchmark, you learn. Um, but I think for anybody looking to use any business, uh, people really becomes a critical part of it. And I think this is a wonderful certification that we will work hard every year to try to get every year. Cause it is every year you have to get recertified. <laughs> yes. And it, and it also, it, it goes back to our belief of a people first culture always Dave, in that if, if, if you're receiving certification as a result of driving this people-first culture always, you're taking good care of your people. They are going to take good care of the customer, or in our case, our members. And so that is the value to our members, is we always want that translated, our culture to translate to the service that we provide our members. It's meaningful to me, and we've talked about this before as a consulting team, to make sure that we are living our own advice. Because talk is easy, and there's a lot of people, and there's actually research on this, who are in positions to give others advice who don't follow their own recommendations in their life. Mm-hmm therapists, counselors, a lot, there's, you know, certain personality types just come, are, are more aligned with giving other people advice, but not following their own. So that designation as a company, as an organization, it's meaningful to myself. And I believe the rest of the consulting team that we can sort of walk the walk as a company, because we throw out terms like service and culture, and we mm-hmm. don't use those cavalierly, but to be able to demonstrate that as an organization that we're living that as well, it, it's meaningful to those of us that have to give advice to other practice owners that we are walking the walk as well, not just telling other people what to do. So with that, Dave, you're, you're the big uh, closing comments guy. So anything, I'll, I'll turn it over to both of you and then I'll close out, but any, any final words here? So I think uh, a couple of things. Thank you again, Steve. I always love chatting uh, with these and Jill, uh, obviously, uh, Please add to anything here that I close with. But, um, you know, we, we started about culture, right? That's where this, this uh, podcast began. And it's hard work. And it's work that has to be done every day. And I love where you, where you just went, Steve, in terms of, um, you know, walk the walk. Uh, I will say, I believe, and I know Jill does, it pays off, right? This culture, this work pays off. It's paid off at innovation at IDOC. It's paid off uh, in momentum at IDOC. It's paid off in customer satisfaction. We were rated the number one customer satisfaction for any alliance in the optometry space. So, and I could go on and on of how this pays off, but it doesn't happen overnight, right? A lot of hard work goes into this, but the benchmarking, um, the surveying, the feedback, all of this, uh, does have the outcome that we wanted it to have, and we will continue doing it. Uh, and, and Jill, I'll let you add any thoughts, uh, you know, as really the true architect of finding a great place to work, but also working so closely with me and other leaders uh, at IDOC to, uh, to drive this forward. So we're always here for questions. If people want to reach back out, I know, I know they know how to find you, Steve, but uh, Jill and I are very, very passionate about this and welcome the opportunity to talk to anybody about it. But Jill, I'll, I'll give you the final word. <laughs> No, I, I was just going to add um, onto your comments, Dave, about uh, culture and, and the hard work. I always use this analogy that it's, it's like a garden that you're tending. You're always tending the garden for it to continue to grow and flourish. And 
And so the work never ends. It's, it's always our job um, to serve our employees and to ensure that we are always fostering a great place to work at, at IDOC. Well, thank you both. It's a pleasure working with both of you. And I'll thank you for both tending the garden with your, uh, <laughs> your hard work and, and your dedication. And um, thanks to everyone who, who listens to this. I, I hope you find it valuable. I think you will. And if you'd like to learn more about IDOC, you can look us up on the, on the internet at www.idoc, that's idoc.net. And with that, I'll say thanks again, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Steve.